All right. Testing, testing. You still there? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My check. All right. Two, one, two. All right. Finally got this thing all set up. I don't know um, what was going on earlier, at least with, on my end, but hopefully it's all resolved and the audio sounds a little bit clear or anything like that. No, I hear you just fine. Perfect. Well, Dr. Carter, or Cartman, excuse me, Obari Cartman, is that mm-hmm. your is that your formal title, how you're addressed, or is it just Dr. Cartman? How do we go about it? Um, Dr. Obari, I prefer. Dr. Obari. All right. Yes. Well, thank you, Dr. But Obari. I don't have a problem with Dr. Cartman. I mean, I don't know. Obari is fine. <laughs> Call me whatever. <laughs> I got you. I got you. No, well, you know, I've never really, I've never met you. You know, I had the seminar mm-hmm. where we sat down and talked. But yeah. now um, this is a formal opportunity to really just sit and learn. Mm-hmm. One second. The biggest thing for me is just to, you know, respect your space, the time, and who I feel, you know, I'm talking to. So yeah. as Dr. Abari Cartman, um, thank you so much for taking the space for being on the show or at least just talking with me, vibing with me. You know, no, of course. Are, I, appreciate I appreciate it. it. No, I appreciate you and the interest in my work and just the invitation to um, have the fellowship with another brother who are here in the intellectual space, thinking and conver- conversating in ways that I think can help benefit people. Um, anytime I get to share a space like that, it's always a privilege to me. Yeah, I I would thank you for that, and I do appreciate um, being a part of the journey. And sometimes I mm-hmm. realize you kind of have to take lead in certain things, especially yeah. in my experience with our culture in general. Just being an example before there before we can all decide like it might be something healthy for us to do, you know. As a, mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but we all naturally as blacks, I'll just start with that. That no matter where you're from, I've always learned that black people in general we seek to be holistic or we seek to be well mm-hmm. um yeah. it's probably due to the tension and the frustration and the conditioning we go through but it might just be our natural nature mm, as well i think it's much more natural than that i don't think it's a response to america or trauma i think that it is our natural connection to the the powers that be nature itself um, i think that we have a connection to just being a universal being, which is always constantly in search of its own equilibrium, and we are an extension of that. And I believe that yeah. that natural state includes wellness. Um, yeah. So I think that the more we tap into who we truly are, the the weller we will be, and that the other stuff is more of an imposition to that, as, uh, that has been sort of dis- disrupting our ability to be well and right. joy and be peaceful and all that kind of stuff. I think, that, I think I it's our natural thing. Yeah. I would agree to that. I would agree that, that what I really meant or what I was saying behind the conditioning is that it's a distraction and it's so mm-hmm. it. vivid yeah. and intense in its approach that um, we might forget our natural ways or our mm-hmm. natural healing ways. But, you know, it got me thinking a little bit about the book. I um, understand you wrote Ladies' Man, Conversations yeah. for Young Black Men about Relationships and Manhood. Yes, sir. Like, um, I know you wrote it. I feel the history, the, the research I did on, you know, the cover exists of your sisters, and it was kind mm-hmm. of a way to retwist the matrix on people in a way mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. bring, like, successful narrative of the for the young black men, the world that they're in. But could you just talk about the book and maybe tell me what, got you into writing the book 
Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. So the book, um, again, Ladies Man, uh, I spell it different. I spell it L-A-D-Y apostrophe S. And what I explain is that I, I belong, I, I as a man belong to these ladies. And it's not mm-hmm. the other way around, that they don't belong to me. Then I, I was trained, just like I think a lot of men are trained to think that, like, women are ours and we play with them and we use them and then we discard them when we finish. And I have to do a lot of deep interrogation to excavate that within me in my socialization and the things that I heard from other men in my house and in my neighborhood and my community and on television that gave me a certain worldview about women and, 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 and men that I think was very unhealthy. So, yes, yeah, certainly, certainly the book was about me kind of re-interrogating, reinvestigating myself and those sort of basic concepts. Because like, I think we do a lot of like teaching young men to be respectful or don't hit women or we, we, you know, we do things on the on the outside, but underneath there's a, a a fundamental conceptualization we have about the role and the power and the place and the hierarchies around gender and race and everything. Um, that I think that, you know, this is the moment that I think that we're really getting at the core of some of that. And so I just wanted to share some of my own process of what that was like, and it was inspired by conversations I've been having with young men. Uh, doing therapy for the most part. Every time I would go to a center, uh, it was an internship. I wasn't even finished with the doctorate yet. I was in Connecticut uh, working at a family center. And every time I go anywhere, anytime I would go to a place, they would just give me all the boys because there's not a lot of black men doing counseling and therapy and that kind of stuff. So um, I would have caseloads of just young black men for the most part having very similar conversations over and over again. And that's when I say, oh, this is, you know, this is, there's this themes that that are that I'm that are uh, I'm discovering, and the type of conditioning you mentioned and the trauma that we've experienced is too great to be able to get at it one conversation at a time. So I just kind of got frustrated that you know I'm having the same conversation over and over again, different boys, same conversation. So I was like, let me put this down on, on paper. Maybe I could help other people have this conversation better and not have to be in the room every time and just think mm-hmm. about how to spread messages and to get access into the minds and the hearts and spirits of young men um, that are, you know, far and wide. So that's what made me wow. write the book. It was one to really just reach. People, people people, do the thing where we say, like, people with good hearts and kind, you know, saying intentions. We like, if I can just reach one boy at a time, if I can just reach one, one young person and change their trajectory. Like, I like the sentiment of that, but st- st- strategically, we're going to lose if we got enemies that saying, let me try to get a million at a time and confuse them. And we got good folks to saying, let me just touch one kid at a time and give, put them on the right path. Like that's just, you know, the, the, the reasoning behind it started to fall apart once I started to think about what does it look like to win and not mm. just feel good, not just pat myself on the back for, for trying my best for a moment. But let me expand my notion of what best is and what, healing can look like and what therapy can look like and um, I remember one of the times one of the things that inspired the book specifically was I was in a book club in Connecticut we were reading um, who was a Hill Harper had a book called The Conversation and it was, this was after Steve Harvey had his book um, uh, Think Like a Man mm. um, and it was those two books back to back I was like even when men are sitting down at a typewriter if you will and thinking about shaping the conversation, they're still targeting women in the conversation because they know women are going to read the books. I was the only man in this book club. And it hit me in a moment, like the, the women are talking about 
the dating pool and the struggles dating black men and how hard it is. And, and it was, it was something that occurred to me in that conversation. It was like, that's part of it is because even men are talking to women about, you know, how to do this right. And no one's cultivating the young men, like no one's preparing men to be good partners, to be communicate well, to have, you know, deep introspection. Like nobody's preparing the young men. It takes, I remember, you know, I remember when that book came out. I remember mm-hmm. when um, there was a lot of conversations about, like, this This is basically dumb. How dare you? You know, like, mm-hmm. the idea of it, because why wouldn't a woman write this book versus, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and and then why would a woman write? You know, like, both sides yeah. were, yeah. 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 they felt very justified. But yeah. something you mentioned in the title of your book, L-A-D-Y apostrophe F, in a way of showing the somewhat ownership to them, and somewhat the treating everyone like our sisters and our brothers, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm, I think that the power of that connectivity um, is great. And when I know when I think about relationships growing up, there was a sense of separateness, and I had to kind mm-hmm, of deprogram mm-hmm. myself to yeah. not think so separate from my partner. Like yeah, we use the word relationship right, right. and partner and wife right. and loving, but yet we traditionally or historically or whatever, in my experience, traditionally, kept this wall up Mm -hmm. and as difficult as it might be to put it down or find some exactness in the path, like you're leading each other. um, I mean, it's great to hear that, you know, you you found your own message in that same way in that book. Is there like, um, did you take the book? Do you get the sense that this seems, this seems, it seems real bad. I'm going to get to your question in a second, but that disconnect you mentioned seems at an all time high. I don't know if it's just, Social media makes it more apparent, or maybe it's always been some disconnect. But it seems like this divide, this versus, this men versus women thing, seems to be really intense right now. Do you do you read that in a similar way? Um, yes and no. I I read mm-hmm. it yes in the sense that social media, um, and it's like I see this five to ten year cycle in the idea of youth and youth being expressive. Could be longer, but I, I've only been around some odd years. So, yeah. but enough to see that it comes in cycle. And because we have the advancement of the technological usage of all these devices, yeah, the exposure of it and how it's actually exposed is more prevalent than before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the no comes from, especially as a black man growing up, my mom and my dad and their parents and yeah. we're going through similar spaces of I'm this, you're that, or this, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and, and, I think the what might be the most dominant energy in it is that we're now willing to expose it and possibly talk to it. Maybe not mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. might take a couple more generations, but definitely now we're willing to expose it. And I use expose mm-hmm. because that's what's happening right now. I yeah. think we're just exposing ourselves in a way that I don't know if it's super healthy, but you yeah, know we got yeah. feel on some level. And I, I my question to that, and I guess it kind of does lead into it it doesn't seem like the mission has even begun or started yet. Have you mm-hmm, decided mm-hmm. to take this book on the road or what we, I met you at the seminar to, for healing black men. And as you mentioned, like they kind of just, Hey, you're in town, do it. You know, yeah, yeah, wasn't yeah. Really, you know like, can, you know, you wouldn't wake up and set this on a calendar and you weren't yeah. prepared in that sense. So what, what is the book in action or is the book in action? Is there a separate mission beside that? Or, um, well, when I heard the book came out maybe four or five years ago, 
Mm. Uh, when it first came out, I was much more like, I got to get this everywhere. Let me. Just, I did the sort of a tour, uh, but there's some ways in which my process of spreading the message, um, and the message was more just the conversation itself. Like we just need to talk about this, and here's some of my personal experiences and some things that I've learned. And you know, I, I never tried to position myself as an expert on manhood, certainly not relationships, but you know, I do feel like I've learned some stuff and. Uh, and I'm good at facilitating conversations about things that matter. If I wanted to do that, I wanted to take that around. And in doing so, my politics got in the way of the spread in some ways uh, because I wanted to kind of do an experiment in some ways. I wanted to, like, see how how black I can make this this, this journey. Mm-hmm. I wanted to keep it as black as possible. I also wanted to uh, – my, my, my photographer was black, the, uh, the uh, editor, the um, – Copyright. I mean, everybody. Every, every process. I had a consultant helping me self-publish it. Um, I had a designer. Every every single person that touched this book was a black person. Mm-hmm. Uh, down to finding the only black book uh, printing press that I could find. I was in Baltimore somewhere. Um, and so on. So what it what it meant to do a tour meant uh, to put, look at cities, find out what their independent black bookstores were, call mm-hmm. them and say, hey, can I come do a talk? I got a book. It's new. And so it was that. Uh, but what that meant was you could only get my book at those black bookstores, right. which uh, many of them were struggling. Um, and so when someone came up to me and said, you know, that sounds dope. I want to get that. And I went to Amazon to look for your book, and I didn't find it. I was like, yeah, no, it's not on there. It's, 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 right, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And so I, mean, I kind of shot myself in the foot trying to, you know, keep the, the, the integrity of my, my principles, to, you know, together. Because I'm like, if everybody just immediately goes to Amazon, then we can't restore the the power of these institutions. Right. Um, so I wanted to kind of like model that. Like, you know, I'm, I'm talking all this black stuff. I'm saying we need to work together and unify. And I can't say that. Though. Like, it felt like it would be disingenuous to say some of the things that I was saying in the book and sell it in a white platform. On Amazon. Yeah, no, I... Yeah, it felt like it's, 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 felt like it, it, you know, it felt like a contradiction. Um, but what that also meant was that I was bumping against the the distrust that black people have of our own stuff, mm-hmm. right? They, so our people would be like, you know, I, I ain't finna go to your website and put my credit card in because yep. I don't know who you are. You know what I mean? But um, I so don't there's, a, there's a trust. Either, but I'll yeah, no, you don't, but I trust them. Yeah, they, you, you just implicitly <laughs> trust he got the logos and the corporations. Right, right, right. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, hmm. so it, it got in the way. I didn't, you know, if I had looked for a, a white publishing company or a co-sign or even with the, like the university route, I might have could have moved more units. But it felt good to do it in the way I did it. Like I'm, I'm you know, I don't have any regrets about that. Um, I'm probably gonna reissue it at some point and be doing the second edition, if you will. And I'm working on another book, and I think that I'm gonna, you know, learn some of those lessons around access and. You know, putting in, in the right hands, and you know, maybe it might be on Amazon. Maybe I haven't figured that out yet. But um, so let me to your to your question, you. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let me even flip the coin on you, and I don't know if this is a devil's advocate term. I'm trying to use a term that I'm hoping I'm using in the proper context. <laughs> but mm-hmm. what maybe your what if you're self sabotaging yourself by making only the book available and not a, to um, black communities and bookstores versus Amazon where you know it could reach more black people? No, it's a dilemma. It's a real, it's a uh, dilemma for sure. Like it's not, it wasn't an easy decision. It's still not. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a decision that I, I wanted to stick to for the principle of it. 
And I, I caught an experiment for that reason. Like, I don't, I don't, let me see. Let me see how far this can go. Let me see if black people will really support it like they like I think they would, like they say they want to. Let me put. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna, you know, uh, um, what's the there's a phrase? Uh, not rubber meets the road, but whatever it is. I just wanted to. I wanted to test it using. Yeah, using, no, you, uh, you're using a word. Say you're a leader because that's essentially the leader goes with fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, walks yeah. with fear in that way, and I only say that because um, there's a lot of similarities in in what I believe the energy of now is, and mm-hmm. a person mm-hmm. like you and the strength. You know, you you don't look 50, so you're obviously been around in the 80s and young enough to be mm-hmm, influenced mm-hmm. by it, not necessarily watch it go by. And the yeah. 80s was such a powerful space for me personally, but just what I think I see now of the energy of now, those children and even the young 90s one, but they're, they're because we're old enough now to speak with such confidence and make a decision, we're yeah. changing the narrative. Um, obviously, like with the Black Lives Matter and the death of yeah. Ahmad and um, Brianna and all these powerful people in our space, that's just like the example towards what's happening every day. And mm-hmm, then now that mm-hmm, we have mm-hmm. like the, the conversation of mental health, you know, um, and what it actually means, because we still have this negative connotation when you hear the word mm-hmm, mental health yeah. instead of it being, but when we hear the word wellness, it's all like, yeah, that's she can yeah, yeah, right. right? <laughs> That's still in it either. So right. it's, I think the energy of now is just really being able to, again, expose that space and bringing it back to you and what I really wanted about this interview and what I really saw from the conversation is that, you know, you're a father, you're a brother, you're a son, mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. an uncle, you're a thinker, you're a therapist, you're a writer, you're a photographer, you're a drummer, you know, yeah. like you really focus on these actions, but you also have this mental space about it and really the platform that I support is primarily about mental health and mindfulness. So if Mm -hmm. you could target that conversation for me and tell me, you know, your book is about the conversations of young men and about their relationship with manhood. So tell me what is manhood? You know, like what is it to be a man? Um, Maybe from a top down perspective from who you are mentally and who you are in action and like in today's terms. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a big question. I like it. Um, and so the mental health part of the work, you know, I, my training was uh, in psychology, so PhD, clinical community psychology. So a lot of the, the thing that threads most of my work, even with all the things you mentioned, are um, mental health, culture, and arts. I try to, like, integrate all of those things. Mm-hmm. And the way, I, the way I make sense of that in the manhood development part of the conversation is really more about tapping into your authentic self and um, doing it in a way that is consistent with the, the, like, the house we live in in our bodies. Uh, I do believe that there's a revolution around how we're conceiving gender right now, um, and I think it's good. I think there's some good things in the conversation. Uh, I have always been a, a more expansive right, thinker around gender norms, um, not as, as, as sort of, I don't know, I'm going to say something that might be offensive. This is going to be recorded. I hope I don't get canceled. I think that there's something about I got the like conversation. I got a listeners. You're good, bro. <laughs> I got it. Uh, uh, there, there's something about the the gender conversation right now that feels kind of chaotic. Uh, mm. The phrase I was about to use was willy-nilly, like kind of just mm-hmm. 
anything goes. We making shit up as we go along, and yeah, you know, and yeah. there's there, there's the power yeah. in that. There's something uh, ex- you know about the <laughs> there's, there's something cool about the imagination and letting it roam free, and you know, just letting it go wherever it's gonna go. I think that there has to be some parameters at some point around any conversation that needs to be, for me, rooted in something else. It needs to be grounded in something. You can't just be whatever you feel like, whatever, you know, comes to far. The first thing that comes to my head isn't always the best thing. Um, uh, so, I, you know, I want to just, I, I want to, I want to respect that thing that comes to my head, but then I, I want to sit with it. I want to process it. I want to test it against some things that have happened before. I want to compare it to other things that have happened in my head. That's why I write things down sometimes. So I can go, oh, this, this new idea popped into my head. I want to see how that fits with the old ideas that I wrote yesterday, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And for us as black people, we have a large well of wisdom to, 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 to drink from. Like we've been humans for thousands of years. And so this ain't our first rodeo. Like it, it might be new to you right, right. now in this moment because you're a new iteration of this spirit being coming back to a vessel. But we've, we've, we've wrestled with questions around wellness and gender and identity and all this kind of stuff for a long, long time. So I think that the new conversation would be more, I'll call it healthy or productive if it were rooted in something that wasn't just, you know, the internet gives you so much room to just say what you feel. And, you know, that's cool. Um, and I got children. I think that something about that kind of space feels like a childlike thing. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I think children are brilliant and beautiful. I think this, imagine, again, imagination is a beautiful thing. Um, but if my children were to plan the day, they would do things. And I, sometimes I give them space to do it. But other times I got to rein them in. I'd be like, okay, yeah, that's enough Pop-Tarts. Because uh, I got to think about your longevity. I got to think about what does this mean in the, you know what I'm saying, beyond the, the moment. And so that mm-hmm. combination of what does it mean, what is it rooted in, what is the sustainability of this of this idea and this movement um, requires intergenerational conversations in ways that the technology doesn't allow for all the time. And so when I think about manhood, it's all of that it's wrapped into one. So just wrestling with these sort of core concepts of what does it mean to be a person and how does that express itself in a male body and how is maleness conceived of in a place where power and, and hierarchy has caused dam- damage to the world? And so some of it needs to be, you know, investigated and picked apart and discarded. Some of it is, is, is good. Some of it can be useful in certain contexts, and a lot of it depends on lots of different scenarios. I don't think that there's a lot of really cookie-cutter things that I would say are every man needs to do, man up. That's what it means in every context. Uh, I think it's important to to be critical and flexible and considerate of, of time, place, and, and, and impact. Um, so it's not a, a simple conversation. It's a very dynamic conversation. But I think that the, the most important part of it is is authenticity and, and integrity and having it be based on principles. Um, and, again, it sounds like I'm saying, like, you make it up as you go along, but it's not that. It's it's just be flexible and intentional. Well, it, it, reminds, oh. it reminds me of not even to cut you off because I want to hear more. Um, and shout out to, you know, Dr. Naeem Akbar. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. He, I think I know he supported your book as well. Yeah. But his approach on the Afrocentric approach of psychology, like, you know, digging deep within the self and kind of discussing these conversations. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's tons more people. There's, there's not a name. This doesn't have to be a name dropping podcast. <laughs> but the, the, the biggest focus is like it's a continued conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. But the confidence to speak about it. Like, again, we just use Tupac 
as like the most broadest um, far stream extremist example in the given media of manhood mm-hmm. in the sense of standing up for yourself, speaking how you speak and spitting in people's face, mostly white people, white cops. So I won't say mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. but you know, in, in regards of the oppression um, and then still getting shot by blacks and then supposedly by big or whoever knows. My yeah. point being, is like this energy of being a black confident strong, willing, direct, and in front of your face, black man, right? Yeah. If you put those titles, so, like, you can put black man and be like, yeah, I'm black, I'm a man, I'm just, you know, chilling. Yeah, I'm yeah, over yeah. here. And, you know, yeah. my wife is Asian, or my wife is black, or my wife is white. You know, it doesn't yeah. matter. My wife is, my wife, like, they don't see it as a, as like, all right, my wife has to be black, and we have to have um, an Afrocentric approach to life, and we have to consider that we are not in a world that is for us, like, those are direct ways of thinking, which mm-hmm. definitely reflect, like in your example, you choosing that path for your book. That's a direct thought and a direct action, like you said, and call it an experiment. Most men, like even me, speaking for myself, my book is on Amazon. Even mm-hmm. though it focuses on blacks, it's not just for blacks. So I never even thought of the space that you're doing. But then mm-hmm. if, I, if you were to ask me why didn't I do that, I wouldn't say it's because I don't think I'm black. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. So it's it's this idea of us constantly having the conversation of what it means. And I really enjoyed what you said about the manhoodness, about it at least starting from the mental space of where you are and how you see yourself in life. Because yeah. we can... Because there's no pure version of any of this. There's no right. end goal. Like, there's no perfect black. There's no perfect man. We all kind of just figuring shit out as we go along. But it has to be based on something. Like we got it's got to be rooted in the thing. Right. Um, right. So there's conversations now where you know you give an example of uh, dating outside their race, um, mm. and I would not say affirmatively that you can't be black and have a white wife. Like I wouldn't tell a black person that they're not down with the struggle. I, right. I would say though that on the spectrum, that every decision you make is considered on into a a rubric, if you will, like if there was a spreadsheet of how I define blackness or maleness or identity, that I would, there's got to be markers. There's got to be like if it's a survey, I got to you got to tell me, you know, what I'm saying there's got to be indicators. Um, mm-hmm. How much how much will you spend your time doing the thing? It's like any other value system. If you say you my, my, being a father is the most important thing to me, then I say, well, how many? Uh, when was the last time you saw your kids? And it's, right. it's been three weeks. And then there's, 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 it's not, it's not congruent. There's got to be some consistency between the thing you say is important and how it manifests in your life. And I think blackness is the same way. So how you spend your time, how you spend your money, uh, what you, what you enjoy, and I think who you, who you mate with, who you partner with, is at least on that list. Right. How about what languages you speak? I mean, it's like it's got to be on the list. It can't, it can't just yeah. be, it, it can't not matter all of a sudden. You gotta yeah. be able to communicate with each other, no matter the the skin, because mm-hmm. that's that might be just the humanness of it all. And, and it, I don't know, I, I don't have any degrees in any type of psychological thought or theory or psycho or anything. I just love talking, um, and I love digging deep into the conversation of self. And so, I it it gets me to think like even more into the space of what you're doing with your work, and it. It's definitely saying you're having children and, you know, they're going to go out into the world as much as you did. And I'd I'd like to hear more, if you can, like, about the subject of, like, self-sabotage in relation mm. to manhood. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. like a lot, I, 
I, I, I journal my life, so there's lots that I, that I can say about myself. But if we're speaking yeah. general, generally, I know that as black men, we have that space where it could be like a financial self-sabotage, right? Mm-hmm. Where we don't even manage our money well. And mm-hmm. so, or we want to be free in our young age and we want to be like Bob Marley or we want to be mm-hmm. like this person or that person, like some personified individual we know nothing about, but then we're pushing yeah. this image into and then we find ourselves in some to most, not all cases, self-sabotaging. Like, yeah, what yeah. do you, what do you feel about that? Like, can you just, and it doesn't, you know I mean? Like I said, I got like five listeners, so just tell me. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind when I think about self-sabotage is um, a lack of sort of intrinsic worth. And when I see when I see the different ways that self sabotage can happen, there's lots of different ways it can happen through lack of discipline, um, through you know addictions, through just negative self talk, doubt, fear, I mean, those kind of things. We can get get in our own way of things that we are destined to do, that we are capable of, but that we can get in our own way of. Some sometimes I think that you know on the outside it just looks like low self esteem or maybe even depression or anxiety. But underneath that, I do believe there's something about uh, something that people have to get to on their own where they believe that they know confidently that they are worthy of good things, mm-hmm. that they're worthy of worthy of wellness. Um, it can be hard to do for black men. Um, mm-hmm. If you listen to enough news or listen to enough uh, family members or enough teachers, like even places that's not like trying to get you, you could be at school, you could be at church and hear messages like you, to say. Like you even mentioned commercial hip hop. Absolutely. To you, listen, you, listen to, you listen to enough corporate hip hop, you will walk away feeling like, man, men are this. And it's not always good. And it's not always valuable or having contributed valuable things to the planet, whether from a black perspective or from a male perspective. Um, I, I meet a lot of young men. So, you know, I, I try to, to keep my ear to the streets and. Uh, one of the one of the responses to um, the Black Girl Magic movement, which I love, I'm a big supporter of the feminist movement. The popularity of some of these ideas have made it so that men that are in these spaces feel ashamed for being men in their bodies. There's almost a sense of like I, I wish I wasn't a man. I feel I, I get this sense from some of the young organizers, the young activists, like wow. they're in the space where they're hearing the conversations of the comrades talking about what patriarchy has done to the planet, which is all real. There's got to be some some way to balance that conversation where we can also not feel like I'm, I'm just inherently broken. I feel like white people feel like that way right now. I mean, white people pay attention to what's going on. I feel like they just feel a, just a guilt, like a shame and embarrassment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At their core. I, I didn't, I, I could never have thought of it like that. But again, I'm one of those black guys that don't go out enough. Like, I'm definitely mm-hmm. a part of my community now that I'm in a more wellness space with myself yeah. um, in Atlanta. And I know you went to Georgia State, I believe it yeah. was. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. You know, and I, when I lived in Atlanta, like, I loved it. And I I, I loved the black life that I was mm-hmm. living in, the people, yeah. places, yeah. and environment around me. Um, and it took a while to get there, you know, being an immigrant yeah. and then being a, being a coming into black America, my personal experience, I held out thinking, mm. you know, I'm not going to watch Roots, I'm not going to watch mm. I'm not going to mm-hmm. watch Airplane or any of them, or um, Radicals, I'm not going to care about any of that, because that's yeah. black America. Yeah. And so, really had to come to terms with that and myself in that space. And so, the self-sabotage, I 
I it's like what I hear you saying. You know, it can come from different venues. It can be you. It can be you in your environment. And as black men in our relationship with ourselves and with the women in our life, the mother, the sister, the partner, you know, the equal, the wife, however we see it, that it's such a, it, it's so much sometimes. It's really mm-hmm. so much that the self-sabotaging, it's almost like a release for some mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I know that's toxic because I've learned that personally and just learning how, um, how to observe that in the environment that I'm with, you know, and just in people. Like, I yeah. love this shit. I love thinking, like, we can fix each other by starting with the self and then going into that darkness and, mm-hmm. and really addressing that bullshit and saying, like, all right, you know what? I need to grow the fuck up, and I yeah. really need to be a man. And this, this, this manhood or stepping into a manning up, that's it. It's really yeah. getting rid of those childish behaviors. But now that aggression can turn into abuse. And I don't want to make it like seem like too much of a negative um, conversations with you, but like this is where we grow, man, where we look at how we're not doing something good and talk about it. Yeah. Right? Like in the simplest term, and it could be, again, how we're treating ourselves, how we're treating our partner, how we're treating our life. And that self-sabotaging is abusive. Like it continues. Yeah. You know, anything yeah. repeated in that action is a choice. So if yeah. you're abusing yourself or somebody else and you do it more than one, once or twice, you're choosing it. Yeah. So what do you – I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've heard the same thing out of the self-sabotage conversation. But if we're really understanding our relationships with women and ourselves, you know, what do you – if we are continuously talking about this manhood thing, what is abuse? You know, like I know that's such a broad term, but, mm-hmm. again, the conversation of community and – treating each other like sisters and brothers, like women can be abusive too. You know, like yeah. it's not like they don't deserve their own space um, and their own healing. So if we're talking about manhood, we have to me, we have to talk about womanhood as well, or at least talk about women in that space of manhood because they make us men. Yeah, like I, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't call myself a man if my wife didn't make me feel like I was a man, but mm-hmm. that's not necessarily her job more mm-hmm. than that's the position I would love for her to want to play as my mm-hmm. wife, you know, like mm-hmm. there's this balance. So I said all of that to continue ask abuse. Elaborate for me, like. Um, abuse to me has a, there's definitely an intention behind it. There has to be an awareness of the wrongdoing and then a commitment to continue to do that action with knowledge. Because a lot of times people are doing things and they don't, they don't know no better. Particularly children, like you know, you let you let children get away with things, and then you teach them, and you correct them, and you give an opportunity to to learn and grow and to make those adjustments. Um, when when I would call it abusive is when someone clearly knows that the thing they're about to do is is going to cause harm to someone or to, or to themselves, and continue to do that anyway. Um, I think you know when we say knowledge is power, part of that knowledge, that awareness is supposed to give you new opportunities to make better decisions. If you choose to, because we also got free will, we could also choose differently. Um, and so there, I, I believe there are people that have decided to go against what we talked about in the beginning, which is a natural state of wellness, a natural mm-hmm. state of connection, of peace of mind. And there are people that have maybe even succumbed to the spirit of destruction or confusion or manipulation and allow themselves to be susceptible to 
the impulses of a darker force, a more demonic force, and then Mm. make that commitment. You know, once you allow uh, yourself to be a vessel of something that is um, intended to cause harm, then you have some responsibility in that. But I think it's it's that combination of the intention to cause harm, the awareness that it will do so, and then the follow through, and then the consistency of that, uh, even but despite correction, despite you know someone being like, no, I don't like that. This is, this is harmful to me, emotionally, physically, sexually. I mean, whatever it is, um, the awareness that this is going to cause harm, and then the disregard of the impact disconnects people from, you know, I mean, there's the the, the basic truth of interdependence that whether it's a plant whether it's the ecosystem whether it's a person that this is something that i can do that can either collaborate or or, or add value to or it could cause destruction or take away from um, once you know that once you're clear about that then you got some some responsibility in there so that's the, that's, that's how i think of it, uh, abuse and is that the PhD in clinical and communication psychology? <laughs> anyway? You know, because, like, that all sounds great. And it got me thinking about your curriculum on manifest that you have mm-hmm. for the detention center. You yeah. know, like, we, we can go in, we meaning, like, black men who decide to take leadership, but you asking kind of in a roundabout way, you know, you go in and you got this idea and you got this clinical communication psychology, you know, like you're, you're yeah. ready to change the world. It's what's the yeah, name of that yeah, yeah, yeah. with um, Michelle Pfeiffer, Dangerous Minds, right? Oh, yeah. So, you mm-hmm. know, you're going in the, the the school and the kids are bad and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And you got your curriculum. It's called Man Now Fast. But, like, where does, the, where does the change in your experience so far, like talking about our now and you kind of asked me about the energy of the, you know, what's happening to us and how we're just picking willy-nilly identities and shit. Like, mm-hmm. what do you, what are we manifesting? You know, what are, what are we going to right now? What do you see is happening with some of the work that you're doing? Uh, I mean, it's a mixed bag. It just depends on the day and the group and the people. And mm-hmm. I think that there's not all any one thing that I see. Mm-hmm. Um, I see a lot of hope in young people, and I see a lot of despair in young people. Sometimes I'll... Leave the conversation, being like, man, this is really fucked up. We we gonna lose this. <laughs> like, we, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I gotta force myself to keep pushing forward without hope. Sometimes, like sometimes I just I'm just dragging myself through. Like, man, I don't think that you know. Uh, cause we we talk about the self sabotage, and I see that happening as communities too. Uh, I've mm-hmm. had more black people obstruct me than white people. Like mm-hmm. in my in my day to day, like you know, structurally they they design things for sure, but like I've had you know elders i've had like family members like turning back on me for real like things, mm. the, the, the the things that the harmful things that people have said about me have more often come from black people than anybody else and mm. so you know in in the work of, of trying to heal of trying so to harsh it, on each other man we so hard man we mean we just competitive like we traumatized in ways we don't even know it um so it's yeah. just it's, it's 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 hard doing work without support sometimes without acknowledgement sometimes so you kind of just gotta like go go at it but lots of times when i when i have a conversation where i see a young person or old person even like just people that are willing to change that want to do more um not even just because i say it but like just because we have committed to being on a journey together where we're going to enjoy this where we're going to make it a little bit better a little bit sweeter a little bit more peaceful 
you know, one moment at a time. So that happens enough. And, and that's really why I, why I like to incorporate the art and the culture into it. If it was just therapy, if I was just sitting on talking all day, then I wouldn't have that experience as much. But because I'm doing yeah. photography and because I'm drumming and because there's music and there's rapping and writing and all that kind of stuff around me, it's those those expressions are the thing that makes me more hopeful that that creativity is always going to be there, that if we learn to direct that towards, you know, winning, that we could do it. It just takes some collaboration, some community, some good conversations, some strategies, but like that, the essence of that is still there. You sound like your book right now. You know, you kind of sound like that empowerment tool that we're mm-hmm. building families and teachers and communication and, Really what I was saying about is that the PhD doctor in communication, like it, it, it's so important for us to have a sense of confidence in what we know and what we intend on sharing with each other, you yeah. know, because our healing comes from within and within, like with, within us, like with each other. Yeah. Um, but then kind of on the other side of the coin or the same side of the edge, whatever, you know, we can be so critical of each other and for sure. you kind of, we can grow up thinking or come to a space where it's like, well, if white people say it, who cares? But then if black people say it, it's kind of like that matters. But then you kind of, I don't know, in my experience, it's like it matters. And then when it doesn't matter, it just doesn't matter. It's like whatever. But it's not the same space as if I was to hold that same argument with white people. Mm -hmm. You know, if Mm -hmm. if it don't matter, then I'm like, I don't care. But if it like doesn't matter, it's almost there's a sense of concern if it like, mm. because if it doesn't matter, if it matters to them where they're in fear and they don't want it around, then it, I can't act like I don't care. Mm. But if mm-hmm. black people are in the same space where they don't want me to come around because I'm talking something that's, you know, that's important, but we don't want to talk about, then it's not the same fear, you know, mm. and that's kind mm-hmm. of obvious, but then it's not. When it comes to abuse and self-sabotage, or at least around those conversations, and I'm hearing what you're saying, and those are the fears I personally have, like going out into the space of working on mental health and and following my practice and pushing my business and teaching meditation. Like I do hold those concerns of black people, you know, coming up to me or finding my space intrusive, and then you know attacking that on some level, and then what the fuck do I do? You know, how do I respond? in the right way and is there a right way and like i've seen it more and more times and we've seen it in movies where men like yourself get out there and they're just like "Ah, i'm out i'm done Nah, we can't help there's no helping each other and you know i know you wake up every day living your life because you mentioned having children and you know stepping into a, a, a space now that you're getting older and that you're seeing a change there's no answer, I don't think, like we can say, but do you think we can make, like, headway in all of this? You know, do you think our freedom absolutely. is evident? A- absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's inevitable. Um, I think we I think we will win this. I just think that sometimes it might take longer than I hope. Mm. Um, if we all decided collectively tomorrow to do things differently, like, we could turn the whole world upside down. Yeah. If we just had a, a Pan-African uh, collective, if we just was like, nah, fuck that. Let me just break out and free myself from this. Like, we could do it immediately. Um, but I, I believe that, the, you know, there's a, a journey, and part of the journey includes 
the lessons and the struggles and the things we've been through. I think that it's creating a, a type of strength in us as a, as a people that I think will, will, will allow us to recreate a world in a world that can be more sustainable once, you know, the time is, is right. But I think it, 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 it's the responsibility of those of us that see it, that see the victory, that know we, that even though we in a fight, a lot of people don't even know we fighting. Uh, mm. That's one of the hard, hard things about being in a war where people, a lot of it is, is psychological and, 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 and there's a lot of illusions. So it can be really difficult to motivate, you know what I'm saying, the troops, if you will. They go, like, no, we got to get this. Um, but the thing that, that, that gives me a lot of relief and considering all of it is that in this moment right now, that I have a lot of peace to, to know that like everybody ain't gonna go. Like people, everybody's not gonna join the team. Everybody's not gonna rally around me. That it's my job to do the best that I can, and you know, with the whatever the reach that I have, to do it with integrity and promote the best things that I can, and have the conversations in the best way that I can. But there's always gonna be opposition. Um, the bigger you get, the more opposition you invite to yourself. Mm. It, it's, it's, it's just in, it's just embedded in, in the in, in the way of the universe in some ways that uh, every good thing is met with you know some challenges. There's no there's no way around it. So I anticipate it. Um, I anticipate critique. I anticipate you know what I mean uh, the, the haters, if you will. Um, mm. But what, one of the, one of the, the the reasons I move in the way I, I do move is because just from my own peace of mind, I don't like to have a lot of drama and I don't like to say things that are divisive, you know. Um, so it's, it's it's a hard thing to try to move the needle, say things that are provocative, but don't, like, split people. Like, I try not to split people. I don't want to – I don't want to be that figure. I don't want to be a polarizing figure. Um, so I try to do work that most people can agree with and un- understand that, you know, the more successful that is, the more people will try to stop that. I think that's just been the nature of, of warfare. So you know, I, I expect that there's going to be some some trouble. There, there will always be, and that there's even more trouble if I give up. That's the trouble I don't. I don't want that kind of trouble where I'm giving an giving an assignment, or I get an idea, or I get a vision to manifest a thing, or to do a thing, or to write a book, or to create a program, and I know that's mine. That nobody will do it like I do it. If I don't do it, it just will not exist. If I don't write it down. If I ignore that, if I if I if I'm disobedient to that, then that brings a kind of trouble that I don't want. I can mm-hmm. deal with it. I can deal with the haters. Like I can deal with opposition in that way. But like that type of self sabotage, where I know I'm supposed to do something and I don't fulfill that, is a, a world of of of, of hurt. So mm-hmm. that's all I look at. It. Kind of summing it up and bringing it back to the balance, black women you know, mm-hmm. loving them more every day and yeah. the idea of who they choose to be and not kind of saying it doesn't happen in black men too, but with black women, like, um, you know, I personally believe they have to be our equal. I don't know what it mm-hmm. looks like. I personally work on it, but I do agree that we can't do this alone and we can't yeah. do it without them. And, the healing that we all have to go through is individual. Like they, you know, may need to look at themselves as a person and then whatever role they choose to play in the community of being a black person, um, I guess like in America. Um, But where do you, I was, obviously we can't, I can't speak, we can't, no, I'll say that because that's a kind of, we can't speak for black women, 
But where mm-hmm. do you feel like um, what's your conversation around that, especially with your relations, your book about the relationship for black men and black and manhood? Like we mm-hmm. kind of I would like to at least talk a little bit about that and round that out. Like, where do you feel black women are and how important they are or just anything? Just for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up a uh, Christian. Today's Easter. So it's important to acknowledge that there's many people all around the planet that are acknowledging sort of a celebration or ritual um, based on that cosmology. Uh, there's, you know, I think there's intersecting, intersecting sort of religious moments today that are really, really powerful. Um, and the power in them is the collective agreement, the ways in which our imaginations have been captivated by the ideology behind many of these texts. Uh, the thing that is peculiar about the ways in which the major religions have grown and expanded um, and taken over the imagination is that at the center of many of them has been the removal of the divine feminine presence. And as I investigate, you mentioned Naeem Akbar and Wade Noble and some of these sort of great thinkers that have directed me towards looking at the indigenous African root of cosmology, of ideology. Mm-hmm. Um, that they have that they have guided me towards understanding how African people originally conceived of this universe, this vast sort of dynamic, you know, per- perpetually creating, um, a, 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 you know, universe that we we find ourselves in. And every place I go, and Native Americans, Indigenous, uh, Indian, Asian, that the, at the center of their cosmology is the presence of. The, the woman, not like the, the human woman, but like the feminine principle as a as a thing to defer to, as a as a center of power. Um, the, the religion that I, I spend most time with is called Ifa. It's based out of the, what we know from the Yoruba people um, and what we now call Nigeria. And at the center of their cosmology is a, a pantheon of, of female deities called Iyami, which is second only to uh, God itself, Oludumare. And so I've, I've, I've been trained to think in my older age to understand that the value of, of black women is connected to the divine power of the, on a, in the universe. Like, it's that serious. And as long as men are disconnected from that, as long as men are not in alignment with that, we, we always going to struggle. And we will always find ourselves in this revolving door of bumping against, you know what I'm saying, the hurdles of life because we have gotten out of sync with that very you know what I'm saying, a fundamental principle on the, on the, in, in the universe, not even just in America or in, in Chicago or Denver or wherever we are. Like there's something about connecting to the divine feminine principle that is, that black women are a metaphor for, they are a symbol of. And so it's much more than being equal to them or having them be paid equally or not hitting them. Like it's much deeper than that for us. And we have to, we have to restore that, cosmological understanding of the deference to the power of what black women represent as the, the closest God figure on the planet. And that we've got to position ourselves structurally, economically, relationally, socially to that power if we're ever going to um, restore the, the dignity and pride and power of African people. Mm. Okay. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on that. Definitely. Um, like we said in the beginning, you know, it's a conversation from the top. It's always something that we constantly have to talk with each other about. And that's kind of what I was, what I personally believe in. But, you know, as the more I hear from people, 
the more I learn. And you have mm-hmm. taken the path of, you know, becoming a, a doctor in psychology and that clinical study way of working with communities. And you've, you've taken the steps of going out. You've taken the step of um, attempting to write a book about the narrative, you know, and I'm, I mean that in the healthiest way and the most loving way that the attempt is the conversation. Like, like you said, all the yeah. words in the book are really just like pieces of a continued conversation. And in sure. a way it's a legacy that's left to you because, and, and your work, you know, because if it's only found in black spaces, we can again put Atlanta on the map that, you know, you're going to see your book all over five points or areas that mm-hmm. were, that are targeted to that Afrocentric flow of Atlanta. It could be, obviously could be more now, but my point mm-hmm. is, um, you know, and in that way, someone in our community, someone black could go in that store, smelling the incense, hearing the bell, mm-hmm. seeing the cloth, you know, just, feeling really seeing the oil smelling it, and then pick up your book and like, ah, I feel yeah. like I need to read this book versus if they would have went on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles and be like, you know, so it's, there's balance to it all. And I, I would agree that we have to try to find ways to find each other, you know, like yeah. meet each other there and across that bridge. Um, I really appreciate you taking this time I know if there was if there was a last minute word or anything you could say, let's say if you had the space or you had the platform to leave a message, is there anything you would like black people, you know, men or women, um, young or old, to really understand about themselves or even their mindfulness or their meditation? I mean, I know you meditate, but you know, what would you say on that? Um, the thing that's coming to me right now is to I mean, we've talked a lot of about a lot of really heavy, serious, like deep kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. un- underneath it all, like the, the most straightforward thing that I wish people were to spend more time prioritizing and committing to and submitting to is just the, the enjoying enjoying the process. Right? There's, there's a, lot to, a lot of work to do. There's a lot of opposition. There's lots of, you know, challenges that we all have to deal with. But even in that, even in just a conversation about the conversation. Like I, I wish we would take more time to be mindful of the present moment. Um, we're not going to fix this tomorrow, but today I could eat something that is healthy and delicious. I could have a conversation. I could hug my children. I could breathe in a way that centers the pleasure and the joy and not just the productivity and the, the capital. There's ways in which our brains have been warped to think about ourselves um, as products and not and disconnecting ourselves from just the authentic moments, and every moment is an opportunity to re to reevaluate to like recenter. Um, and I want I want it to be fun for us. I want us to have fun. You know, we're talking about warfare. We're talking about systemic oppression, and you know there's bloodshed, and you know what I'm saying. But like, <laughs> but yeah. we also want us to have fun. Like you know, um, the work the work can we can enjoy the work. We can enjoy the meetings about the work. Like, I want us to enjoy it. Um, more than I think that we do sometimes. Have fun. That's the last element in hip hop. That's the last element of hip hop, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. No, I thank you, and and I think it's hard. Like that, almost like a full circle, right? Because in the beginning, yeah, I definitely focused about the the conditioning and how being right. you can be hard, but it is full circle, and it really up to us. And you know, a lot of us are gonna pass away before um, we can all. I would. I, I guess I'll say it for myself. 
we will definitely continue to pass away because none of us are getting out alive in that way, but we'll continue to pass away in the beauty of our work that we do today in hopes that it will be, you know, picked up or appreciated in that black space because that mm-hmm. even the word alone, I would love to find ways of, you know, not using it. And, and African is much better, but again, it's so it, we have so much work to do <laughs> and mm-hmm. we've done so much work. And sure. I guess my, my ending phrase is just to being thankful of all of it. Yeah. And, you know, and thank you for the work that you've done and the book that you write. And you mentioned, I'm pretty sure, you know, pros and cons. I don't know what your personal life is like. You know, I've never met you. So just knowing that the work that you're doing, I would hope it all reflects, you know, and same for me. You know, I, I talk a good game when I'm ready, but I have troubles too. I have problems too that I work through. I have um, habits that I would need to break, you know, especially yeah. in the beginning, um, like any, well, like most of the young black men around me, around my finances. So mm-hmm. it's it's never too late, I would say, you know, for anyone. And I kind of hear you saying that too, like the having fun is, is the something that we can always have. Like no one mm-hmm. can take away your joy and then where you right. place it, you know? Right. So right. powerful conversation. I, I know we talked at least a good hour here, so. I really want to thank you for taking the time on this Easter Sunday out here in America. And, um, <laughs> you know, for my few listeners, I want to thank you for taking the space with myself and Dr. Um, Carmen here or Dr. Abari here. He wrote a book, Ladies, Men, Conversation for Young Men about Relationships and Manhood. He has a website. Uh, just Google his name and or Look out for his material in all your Afrocentric black bookstores across the U.S. Um, what's are you plan? You got plans for the summer? Do you have work to do for? Are you coming back to this side of town? Or? Uh, yeah, I would like to get back to Denver. Um, no plans yet though, but definitely okay. intentions. All right. Well, you take care of yourself, Dr. Cartman, and yes, I was, again, you, you know, I'll continue to support you online because. I don't need to know you from Adam, but I, my phrase is we are the same atom. So in that mm-hmm. way, I see your light and I'll, I'll support it as long as, you know, you you continue to be healthy with yourself. And I'd love to find ways for us to build more work in the, in the space of supporting black people. You know, we can start yeah. with black men because we are men and we're black, but we yeah. can definitely agree that the balance of the woman is always needed. So thank sure. you so much, you know, and you enjoy your day. Yes, sir. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Bye. Yeah.